You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Falato, and there's only a couple of days left until training camp commences for the New York Football Giants on July 27th. And I want to go over some of these pup candidates that were released earlier this week for the New York Giants. And a lot of teams are releasing their pup candidates. Some of these guys come as a surprise. Some others, not so much. But let's go through it real quick. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is going to start on the PUP list. And for those of you who do not know, the pup just basically means the physically unable to perform list, which essentially just boils down to their training camp is going to start at a later date. So instead of these guys being on the field for July 27th, 28th, 29th, etc., their training camp date will be pushed back because they're not able to practice quite yet due to whatever ailment is bothering them. So for the New York Giants, you have Saquon Barkley, who is still recovering from that torn ACL. You have beat reporters asking him constantly if he's going to be ready for week one, and he's doing the uh, coach speak thing and saying we're taking it a day at a time we'll see Uh, it's hard for me to give a definitive statement if he will be I'm not entirely sure I think he will be ready for week one but then he's going to be kind of ingratiated back into the offense not receive a full complement of snaps and you'll be seeing a lot more Devontae Booker but once Barkley you know takes his licks takes his hits starts cutting on that leg proves that he is healthy I think the Giants coaching staff is going to realize that a now healthy Saquon Barkley is far superior to a Devontae Booker, and that will lead to Barkley earning the role that we envisioned him filling in Jason Garrett's system through the 2020 season before he was injured against the Chicago Bears. But he's going to start on that physically unable to perform list. And Barkley is not the only player. He is joined by Matt Parrott, who is on that list for a back. Jonathan Harrison, the center, backup center with a hamstring. Tight end Kyle Rudolph with a foot. Edge rusher O'Shane Zimenez with a hamstring. And two rookies, Aaron Robinson with a core muscle injury. And Kadarius Toney, who is on the COVID-19 list right now. And he's going to have to follow the league's protocols with that. But Matt Pear is the one that gave a lot of Giants fans alarm right now. Because he is essentially the starting right tackle or at least he has to prove that he's the one that many giant fans believe have the first crack at that starting right tackle spot and the only real viable tackle behind him is Nate Solder and viable is a bit of a stretch at this point because the last time we saw Nate Solder on the football field was 2019 and he seemed to be a shell of the player that the Giants thought they were getting when they signed him back in 2018 and now he took a whole year off in 2020 because of COVID-19 and he's back took a pay cut but 
I don't feel like a lot of Giant fans want to see him out there. I think that is a wise thing to feel. And I think there's a lot of hope in Matt Parrott. Yes, he was the 99th overall pick in that draft. He wasn't a first-round pick. But still, he has the nimble feet. He has the length. He has the build. He has everything that suggests he could be a solid tackle in the NFL with a lot of upside. But now that back injury, how serious is it? Is it just going to be something that will hold him out for the first week of training camp, or is it going to be something that may bleed into the season? That's something that is a little worrisome, because this offensive line right now is troublesome. It really is, because it, the range of outcomes are so vast. They could all take a step forward, and they can maybe get to you know a top 15, top 12 type of offensive line if every player takes a step forward, but they're all so young, and they're all... St- really unproven. Even Andrew Thomas is relatively unproven. I was encouraged by his play down the stretch of the season, but we haven't seen consistent play from Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates at center, Matt Parrott at right tackle, or Will Hernandez when he was playing left guard, and now he more than likely has to play right guard. And then you have Nate Solder, who's a total wild card. You don't know who you're getting with Nate Solder. And if Nate Solder doesn't start, the elder statesman on this offensive line is Will Hernandez, who's 25 freaking years old. (laughs) It's, it's, it's something that could really hold this Giants team back. I've said this before on the podcast. There are three things that I feel like could really hold this Giants team from really taking it to the next level, being a team that isn't hovering around 500, but maybe could be two games over 500, you know, maybe 10 and 7 this year, three games over 500, and possibly win this division. This division's still up in the air. I think Dallas is going to be tough. I think Dan Quinn is going to stabilize that defense much better than what Mike Nolan just couldn't do last year and I think the Washington football team with that defense and even Ryan Fitzpatrick who a lot of people are writing off I think they could be dangerous as well Philadelphia I feel like they're somewhat of a mess but who knows teams surprise fans all the time and people who cover this sport but this offensive line Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones are the three things that I feel like can hold this team back and that stinks because Jason Garrett needs to call plays to maximize his skilled position players. Did not do that last year. Daniel Jones needs to be a quicker processor and really be faster when his pre-snap convictions don't meet what happens post-snap. And that's kind of what has burdened the Giants is that processing and that ability to quickly get his eyes from point A to point B, read one to read two. And I think we've seen some growth down the stretch of last season but still we need to see that more consistently because Daniel Jones has a lot of upside we've talked about it on the podcast the athletic ability the touch he has good arm strength and he can be used in so many different ways because of that high athletic ability and that athletic profile that he does have but he has to be a quicker processor and then this offensive line if the offensive line struggles Daniel Jones is going to struggle and then that's going to make Jason Garrett struggle so all these things are married together but The additions of Kyle Rudolph, if he's healthy, he has the foot. I expected him to be on the pup, and hopefully he can be available for the early parts of the season. The addition of Kenny Galladay, the addition of Kadarius Toney, who's just not in training camp right now because of COVID. I think all these things can definitely help the Giants. Getting a healthy Saquon Barkley back will certainly help the Giants, and it will force defenses to call their game plans much differently that will kind of alleviate all the pressure that was on Daniel Jones so Daniel Jones can maybe face a little bit easier types of coverages that would be great but there's there's reason to be concerned about those three things but at the same time like I said the range of outcomes they're very vast they could all work out as well I don't think this is doom and gloom whatsoever that Matt Parrott is 
on the pup right now because of his back. But if we're three weeks into training camp, a couple preseason games down, Matt Perch still hasn't played, start having some concern there because I don't really want to see Nate Solder out there. And if something would happen to Nate Solder or Andrew Thomas, who are we looking at? Jackson Barton? Well, what, what, what are we going to do then? I hope that another team releases a competent tackle, which is never going to happen. It's never going to happen because that doesn't happen. So the depth on the offensive line is still a concern, rightfully so. I don't want to see Chad Slade out there, you know. And these other guys who are on the pup list, O'Shane Zimenez, figured he would be. This is a hamstring. He had the offseason shoulder issue. Seems like he's been dinged up. And he's somebody that a lot of Giant fans or at least people on Giants Twitter feel like could be a cut candidate. I still remain somewhat high on him but he wasn't drafted to play this defensive system i think he could have success in another role but he hasn't proven the fact that he can hold up at the point of attack which is such a core part of playing on early downs in patrick ram's system they drafted ellerson smith ellerson smith is of a similar profile to oshane zimenez so oshane zimenez needs to kind of prove himself in training camp if he wants to earn a roster spot because for once in a for once in a long time at least it seems like Giants have some depth on this team, and there are going to be some possibly good players the Giants have to release who aren't going to make that final roster. And O'Shane Zimenez, I mean, he's on the fringe there. He is, and I'm not trying to speak down on him or anything like that, but he has to see the field in the summer to prove himself because the Giants added to this edge group. They added Ifidi Odenovo. They added Ellerson Smith. They added Aziz Ojolari. They added Ryan Anderson. That's a lot of bodies right there. And then I hope Aaron Robinson, I don't know the extent of his core muscle injury, but I hope he can get back there for training camp because I think the battle between Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes can just be incredibly, incredibly fun to watch when the media is there recording because Darnay Holmes showed a lot of great signs last year. He, I feel like he had some mistakes. He got really, really grabby. He wasn't the best in in certain situations. He would lose his coverage assignment and didn't have as much spatial awareness. And I like talked about this uh, before. He was also high-load a lot, but that was more of a product of the offense targeting him and putting him into conflict, and that's a really a tough position for him to be in. It's not necessarily his fault. It's kind of like a catch-22. If you bite down on the deeper route, they're going to check down, and you're going to surrender some yards. But if you try to go and attack and squat down on the underneath route, then you're going to give up something deep. So more than likely you want to take away that deep ball. But I like Darnay Holmes a lot. I think Aaron Robinson is somebody who can actually steal snaps from him down the stretch, but he needs to get on the field as well, learn this defense that Patrick Graham is going to teach because he's somebody that can, I think, wear a lot of hats on this defense. But those are the pup lists, man. Hopefully a lot of these guys can get back. The one that you really want back, other than Saquon Barkley, who we expect hopefully can be back since he was injured so early in last season, is Matt Parrott. He needs to get his reps in. He needs to be ready for week one against the Denver Broncos where he's going to have to face Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Not exactly the pass-rushing duo that you want to see when you uh, start off your sophomore campaign and possibly be a starter for the New York Giants, which we all hope that he is. All right, I'm going to dive into some other NFL news here in a little bit. I just wanted to talk about the Giants first. But before I get into that other NFL news, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this past week, we've had two devastating injuries to two high-profile fantasy players in the fantasy community, and it stinks for both of these players. One really in particular, second-year running back for the Los Angeles Rams, kid out of Florida State last year, Cam Akers. And it it, it sucks, man. I, I really was excited for Cam Akers this season because he showed so much talent down the stretch of the season, and you knew that Sean McVay had so much trust in him because down the end of the season, you barely saw Daryl Henderson at all. You just saw Cam Akers, Cam Akers. Cam Akers ended up suffering a high ankle sprain, and they still played him through that injury. And you could see how much the coaching staff loved him because his vision was really, really good. His ability to make players miss in space was excellent. His ability to play that cat and mouse game with the linebacker and then attack the right hold, create an angle to where the linebacker wasn't able to scrape over the top and make a clean tackle on him. All these things, these little nuances to playing running back, he was able to do. Plus, he was a good receiver out of the backfield. I just love the way he ran, and he tore his Achilles, which is just a devastating injury for a running back to suffer. You you haven't seen many running backs, and I haven't, I don't remember a running back who was as as talented as Cam Akers tearing his Achilles this early in his career, but there have been running backs who have shown talent, who tore their Achilles early in their career, and they were just never the same. The Devont, uh, Devontae Foreman comes to my mind, I know Isaiah Crowell did that, Mikel LaShore, but none of those guys were exactly the talent of Cam Akers. I know Arian Foster tore his Achilles, but that was also really late in his career. It's just a really, really tough injury to battle back from, and I'm really pulling for him because he's one of my favorite players to watch. It's one of these young running backs, and now I'm looking at the Rams, and I'm like, who's going to step up and replace him? Daryl Henderson is the first guy that comes to your mind, 2019 third-round pick out of the Memphis Tigers college football program, a smaller, compact type of back that the team trusted early in the season, and then he started getting dinged up a little bit here and there. And down the stretch of the season, they hardly used him. It seemed like they really wanted to rely on Malcolm Brown when Cam Akers was dinged up earlier in the season. And Malcolm Brown ended up being that red zone type of guy. And Daryl Henderson kind of took a back seat. And the only games where Daryl Henderson really kind of took over the game was that high-scoring loss in Buffalo in Week 3 where the Rams went up to Buffalo. Daryl Henderson rushed the ball 20 times for 114 yards and a touchdown, made three guys miss in space and looked pretty, pretty darn good on a lot of those different runs. I mean, against the Giants, he had eight attempts for 21 yards. Giants really clamped down the rushing attack of the Rams in that game but ended up inevitably losing. But Henderson is a player that it seemed like the coaching staff just didn't trust. Maybe they just trusted Cam Akers much more. But maybe they just don't feel like he could get on the field. But it's not like they made a big investment outside of Daryl Henderson. So they have to have some trust. They let Malcolm Brown walk, who ended up going to Miami. And now they have Henderson, and only Henderson, because Cam Akers is gone. And you look at the rest of the depth chart here, and you're looking at Xavier Jones, 
who was an undrafted guy in 2020 out of SMU, Raymond Calais, who was on the practice squad for Tampa Bay last year, ended up on the COVID reserve list, and he was a raging Cajun. And then you have Jake Funk, who has a really, really cool name out of Maryland, and then Otis Anderson, who was in a pretty solid duo with Greg McRae at UCF, and they were both 2021 draft prospects but he wasn't even drafted in 2021 Otis Anderson and he was probably one of the more productive ones out of all of these guys in college and he massed over 2,000 yards in his career again being split and had 17 touchdowns Jake Funk only has 136 snaps under his belt for less than a thousand yards uh Calais has 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns. He had a really good 2018 and 2019 season, but again, he was in a timeshare as well. And then Xavier Jones at SMU, he had a really productive 2019 season, 1,200 yards, 23 touchdowns. I mean, that's more productive than Otis Anderson, certainly, but he puts the ball on the ground a lot. He had double-digit fumbles in college, and that's kind of his issue. But I think he's the one who gets the most buzz behind Daryl Henderson, and I'm not on the beat for the Rams or anything, and I just kind of pay attention to their Twitter to see who that guy is if something happens to Daryl Henderson. I think Xavier Jones is probably the best bet, but it's definitely not a sure thing, but it's a devastating injury for Cam Akers. And there was another injury that was terrible to hear as well and it was Michael Thomas who is expected to miss the start of the 2021 season after undergoing ankle surgery and he had some ligaments in his ankle that he just had surgery on I think last month back in June and Ian Rappaport says that it's roughly a four-month recovery timetable and that could keep Thomas out through the Saints bye which is in week six so I mean the Giants play the Saints before that, so the Giants may not see Michael Thomas. We're still not even 100% certain who the quarterback of the Saints are, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, now that Drew Brees is no longer playing for this team. But it's still really unfortunate, and you look at the Saints roster, Emmanuel Sanders is not there anymore, and you have Traquan Smith, who they drafted at a UCF not that long ago, and I think it was 2018, and he's just a player that has a lot of hype, has a lot of upside, but never really kind of came to fruition. And outside of him, you have Marquez Callaway, the kid out of Tennessee who was undrafted back in 2020. Little Jordan Humphrey, the Texas kid who was undrafted in 2019. There's just a lot of names of guys who, who were in college, who, who had solid college careers, but they didn't have all the traits to really be maximized. And Callaway has stepped into the the uh, limelight, I guess you could say, and he's had solid games for the Saints when Michael Thomas was injured last year. He played at a program that, if we're going to be honest, Tennessee has not had a sound quarterback for quite a while, and it's held back a lot of guys, including Josh Palmer and players like that. So maybe he has some upside to kind of break out because Traquan Smith is always dinged up and he's never really put it all together. They also have Deontay Harris, who Sean Payton loves to use on these trick type of plays, but is he really a guy that you can rely on? He's like 5'6", 170 pounds, you know, lightning bolt type of guy, but definitely not a player that's probably going to play 40-plus snaps for you. So you look at this passing attack of the Saints, the one takeaway that I definitely have is go and invest in Adam Troutman in every fantasy league that you have because he's going really relate into the double-digit rounds, and we all know Sean Payton loves targeting that tight end position. He invested a second-round pick, or third-round pick, I'm sorry, in Adam Troutman, and 
This is his second year. They allowed Jared Cook to walk. They allowed their other tight end, Josh Hill, to walk. And now it's Troutman and Nick Vanette, who's a blocking type of tight end. Now Troutman's actually another tight end who was pretty solid blocker. And he had the athletic traits in college, Dayton, where he went to school, to to really make a difference in that area. Six foot five, 260 pound type of dude. So he's definitely somebody I would look at. And <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Just he's passing game ran through him with Drew Brees. I'm imagining Sean Payton is going to still utilize him in that way. Didn't seem like Taysom Hill, a lot of his starts last season, didn't seem like it was on his mind to target Alvin Kamara all that much. But there was the one game where Sean Payton had to get in Taysom Hill's ear and say, you got to target him. And then he targeted Alvin Kamara like, I think it was like 12 to 15 times and Alvin Kamara called like 10 of them. So the tons of targets are going to go to him and somebody's going to break out in this offense and I think Troutman is the best bet until Michael Thomas comes back and even then I think where you're getting Troutman in fantasy drafts if we're going to talk fantasy he's going to return value easily but he's somebody who's going to skyrocket now up draft boards because of this injury news so it's not even going to be a novel take or anything like that but other news around the NFL I wanted to just bring up what's going on with the Green Bay Packers Devontae Adams and the Packers reportedly have broken off contract extension talks, and this looks like this could be Devontae Adams' last year with the Green Bay Packers. We don't know what's happening fully with Aaron Rodgers right now either, so it's it's really interesting. I, I like to lean and think that Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Packers. I really do. But, man, he, him and Brian Gutekunst and this just Packers management, it's been it's been ugly. It really has. It's a very tenacious type of situation. But now you have Devontae Adams breaking off those long-term contract extensions. Talks doesn't seem like he wants to be there. And he's a California-type kid who went to Fresno State. Maybe he's going to want to go out to Los Angeles and play for the Chargers. I know there's a lot of rumors about that. They have Justin Herbert. They have Keenan Allen out there, who's another California product that went to Cal. And he can go out there, you know, big contract to Devontae Adams, who if he's a free agent, he's going to make massive money. And, you know, he's a great player coming off of an 18-touchdown season, and he I think he was fifth in yards last season. He's just only 28 years old. So if the Packers don't want to sign this guy long-term, he's going to find another suitor. People are going to respect what Devontae Adams has shown for so long because the rapport that him and Aaron Rodgers have, it's great, but Devontae Adams is a stud without Aaron Rodgers. This isn't something where it's the quarterbacks carrying Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams can do so many things. He's one of the best wide receivers I've seen run routes and release off the line of scrimmage. He's so smooth and he's so reliable. And if he lands with Justin Herbert, that is going to be very, very fun. But it's not great right now for the Green Bay Packers. And it makes me think, if Aaron Rodgers, if he carries this on, which I ultimately think he's going to play this year for the Packers. But if he does carry this on, I mean, good for the Vikings. Because you have the Bears. I don't really know what's going on with the Bears. I hope they lose every game so the Giants can get the first overall pick next year since the Giants have their first rounder. But I'm not entirely certain how good they're going to be with Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. I like their defense, but that's the reality of it. And then the Lions. So if Green Bay Packers do not have Aaron Rodgers and they have to rely on Jordan Love, who a lot of practice reports suggest he struggled last year, the Vikings may have a path with Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and an older Adam Thielen, Irv Smith at tight end. 
which would be quite excellent for Skull Nation. One other piece of news I want to talk about before I get out of here is Fred Warner made bank. Fred Warner is a stud linebacker who was drafted at BYU in 2018 in the third round, right behind B.J. Hill. He's a coverage two-way type of linebacker, and he earned a deal. Five years, $95 million, that included $40.5 million guaranteed. That is absolutely insane. It's great money for a great player. I'm not knocking the deal whatsoever. The deal also has some intricacies in it. In Ian Rappaport's article, quote, here is the deal. The first deal is a five-year extension in which the final two years automatically void to make it a three-year extension. Under that scenario, it's $54.9 million in new money over three new years. So that's an average of 18.3. That eclipses the three-year extension Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner signed in 2019, which was for $54 million, about $18 million average. So it eclipses it by a little bit there. On with the article. Using the four-year total for Warner's deal, he gets $40.5 million guaranteed of the $58.5 million paid out over the four total years. That's 69% of the contract guaranteed compared to Wagner's 61%. The second part of this deal is that the 49ers can buy back the final two years after they've voided by paying Warner $21.85 million in 2025. Under that scenario, the new money total would become $76.8 million, which is a $19.2 million average. If Warner plays out the entire contract, it's a five-year extension for $95 million, which is a $19 million average. It still makes him the highest paid at this position. This deal is creative. And it's structured really, really well for both sides right here. It gives Warner a ton of security up front with a record-breaking short-term extension that's nearly 70% guaranteed. This is for a linebacker, but this is for a very, very important linebacker right here. So I end-quoted it last sentence. Did not say that there. But it's it's something, and, and it makes me think. Because Fred Warner, he's one of the best linebackers in the league. There's no denying it. But the Giants have a really, really good linebacker, and his name is Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez is not Fred Warner, and that is 100% fine. But Blake Martinez, and we all saw this last year because Blake, Blake Martinez and Giants fans, let, let, we watched a lot of Alec Ogletree. We've watched a ton of bad linebackers recently. We have. But Blake Martinez signed a three-year, in the 2020 offseason, three-year, $30.7 million contract with $19 million guaranteed. So it's slightly more than $10 million per year. And it was ridiculed by a lot of people last year. It was ridiculed by a lot of draft, by not draft pundits, but NFL pundits and people who just wanted to slam Dave Gettleman for going out and signing a linebacker who isn't great in coverage. I got to tell you, his deal is looking great. Blake Martinez making slightly more than $10 million. The impact that he has in Patrick Graham's system, Patrick Graham getting the most out of him, getting the most out of Jabril Peppers, getting the most out of James Bradbury, getting the most out of Leonard Williams. I mean, Patrick Graham is great in that sense, and I broke that down last week. But Blake Martinez had a career year with the Giants in terms of impact. But this is also somebody who's had over 100 tackles every year since 2017. If you watch the film, this guy is always in position. This guy is always playing that mental game with running backs. This guy is so tough for for linebackers to really get up to the second level. And that's also a product of Graham's scheme when he uses those tight fronts. But 
Blake Martinez is also such a quick processor and he reads his keys and he diagnoses what he sees so well that he's rarely ever fooled and he's rarely ever out of position. And he's really, really good at filling A, B, C gaps, getting outside the D gap if there's a tight end there. And the Giants have him for two more years, this season and then the next. But this guy, Blake Martinez, he's he's definitely somebody that the Giants got at, I would say, a somewhat value at this point with the cap continuing to go up. And this was before COVID or was as COVID was hitting when the Giants signed this player. So they didn't know that there would probably be a lot of um, you know concerns about the cap growing. But the cap is going to grow still. The Giants have Martinez, and he's such an imperative part of this defense, such an important part of this defense. Because I like Tay Crowder, but if something happens to Blake Martinez, the Giants are looking at Tay Crowder, Devontae Downs, Reggie Ragland as the starters. The defense isn't going to be nearly as effective. They're not. So great for Fred Warner. Fred Warner is one of the best in the league. I don't think Martinez is a top five linebacker, but I think you can start entertaining him definitely in the top ten. And yeah, he might not have the man coverage upside that a lot of people want in linebackers, but he's one of the but he he does such a good job in zone and he's one of the best run defending linebackers. So I just wanted to kind of talk about the the contract that he has and how it looks pretty solid right now because it's significantly less money than what was given to to Fred Warner and it's also signed for only 3 years, which coincides well with a lot of expiring contracts for the Giants, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, a lot of decisions that may have to be made on those young players give the Giants some flexibility past 2022. And, you know, the Giants went out in 2021, this offseason, and signed a lot more people that's going to make that flexibility not as flexible in 2022, but hopefully they can get a little bit creative down the line to open up some cap space. But the cap is going to continue to grow. We've seen teams, you know, maneuver the cap and manipulate the cap so much over the last 10 or 12 years, specifically the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints, they come to my mind. But yeah, I want to tip my cap to Patrick Graham. I want to tip my cap to Blake Martinez. And that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please head on over to Big Blue View. Check out our work. We're doing some great stuff over there, getting all the Giants fans ready for training camp. I'm Nicholas Filato signing off. Take care, be safe, and have a lovely one, everybody. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.